You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For Panther fans who want to keep pounding. For the war, 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 the all right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to yet another rousing rendition of the Views from Min Street podcast, your home for all the Carolina Panther football talk you can handle, and then a little bit more. My name is Rob Brown, host of the Rob Brown Show in Greenville, South Carolina, right in the heart of Panther country. And of course, joining me as always, my co-host, my partner in crime, they call him the great one, Lonzo Reitzel here as well, and Zoe it hasn't happened since the creation of this pod. Three Mondays in a row. Because one was on the bye. We open talking about a win as the Cats go up to Seattle and knock down the Thunder Chickens in a big win up at Lumen Field. Uh, you know, it, it's one that you and I both said we believed, we thought that. Carolina was more than equipped to go to Seattle and get a win. There were some conditions that you and I both set saying that if they X, then they will win. If they Y, then they will win. Those conditions for the most part by and large uh, were met. That was, I think, combined with the Tampa Bay L to San Francisco. And we're going to talk about that coming up in a minute. But that game a win on the road, as far as I am concerned, Zoe, uh, told me that we are officially in the hunt for the NFC South. It is no longer a, well, let's win a couple and we're going to need a lot of help. Despite being a game back of Tampa Bay, we are only a game back of Tampa Bay, and one of those two teams is actually playing better football than the other right now. And I think even those who aren't silver and blue fans would be looking at this now and going, Carolina's playing better football than Tampa Bay right now. Uh, This division is very, very much up in the air. And we're the team that's playing better football at this point. Wow. Where did this team come from? This was, I mean, from, from the opening play, it's like, Hey, they, they, they want to win. They look like they want to win. They're doing everything they need to do. Running the ball, playing great defense, playing smart quarterback play. I did just so many things that went well. It was just it, not just that, but the tenacity, uh, the drive, the adrenaline. Those guys were out there flying around like they knew they were going to win that game. And we've only caught glimpses of this throughout the year, but this is the first time that we've seen it for almost an entire game. What a fun game to watch, too. 
Here's the thing that impressed me most about this team in this game was the fact that Carolina opened up a 20 to nothing lead, right? Seattle then went and scored 17 unanswered and made it a one possession game with a field goal. Now, that is a spot that I think traditionally in the past, Lonzo, we would have panicked, right? I think traditionally in the last couple of years, that's a spot that we would have sat back in the chair and went, all right, well, here comes the meltdown, right? Like this is this is where we all fall apart. This is where everything falls apart from the middle outwards. And that's not what happened in this one. In this one, they racked up 17 to get it within a field goal. We went out in the fourth quarter, found another touchdown, found another field goal, even though they were able to put seven up on the board in the fourth. We did more than enough to end up winning that game by six. Uh, a, a spot in which I think a lot of teams, frankly, would have melted down. This team reached down, found some intestinal fortitude, and went out there and got the daggum thing done, Lonzo, which I'm 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 very happy with because I I think in a lot of spots in the past we would have been in trouble with the team storming back like Seattle did, but we were not on Sunday. Admittedly, there were some concerns near you know near the end of the game when the Panthers drove it down there to like I think the five yard line, ten yards somewhere in the red zone, and instead of running the ball really close, they decided to throw the ball a couple of times. And I'm like, okay, here we go, here we go. Here's where the meltdown happens. Uh, the defense has been susceptible to big plays all year long, and that's that's what how they scored those 17 points to come back. And it's like, okay, here's, here's, here's where the Panthers are going to, to give it away. And they went for it on fourth, got it. Then went for it on fourth again, did not come away with zero points. And it's like, okay, now, now Seattle's just going to drive down and win this game. And, uh, you know, after all they've done so well, and they didn't, um, they did get enough points to where they could do an onside kick, and then J.C. Horn was out there to, to to pick that off, and there you go, game over, and the Panthers win two in a row and win one on the road for the first time this year. And you shouldn't be able to say win one on the road for the first time this year and are still in contention to win. The, it shouldn't be mathematically possible, but it is. Uh, it, it is. It is not only – uh, mathematically possible. Even down a game, based on what we saw out of Tampa, who got absolutely demo-jobbed by the 49ers. And based on the fact, because it wasn't just that we went to Seattle and we were playing for our playoff lives. The other aspect of that is that we went to Seattle uh, Seattle. And they were playing for theirs, right? Like they were in a spot where the rest of the NFC, well, San Francisco is starting to pull away from them. Three, four, five weeks ago, everybody was talking about how Seattle was the surprise team in the NFC and and Geno Smith was a comeback player of the year award potential winner. And Geno was a league MVP award winner and you know, I got a lot of respect for Geno Smith and what that guy has done this season. But we went in there as, as uh, three and a half point dogs. We went in there being told that between weather and atmosphere and all this, that this was a game that a lot of folks thought was going to prove that Carolina 
was only a team being discussed because the NFC South is a dumpster fire. And don't get me wrong, it is. But this team, if you took this team and you looked at what they accomplished Sunday versus what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers accomplished, or should I say did not accomplish on Sunday, even with Tampa having a one-game lead, looking at what the schedules of those two teams have coming up, and even with Detroit playing better football sitting there ahead of us, um, you've got to think right now, I suspect, that Carolina would be the team that you said looks more like a divisional winner at this point, going up to Seattle against the San Francisco team that had a real good start to the season against the San Francisco team that was also playing for its postseason lives in the NFC South or NFC West, pardon me. Um, Man, like all of a sudden, Lonzo, I'd say Carolina looks like the, the, the team that you would most expect to walk away with the NFC South. And while I am saying that, remember about two weeks ago, I went and I pulled the odds in Vegas for divisional winner. Uh, three weeks ago, the Carolina Panthers were dead last as far as Vegas odds to win the South. We were behind Atlanta. We were behind New Orleans. And we were way behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If I recall correctly, Tampa Bay was like minus 400 and Carolina was plus 2,200, right? Check this number out today, Zoe. Tampa Bay has backed up to minus 325 and the Carolina Panthers are now paying 4-1 to one at plus 400. Atlanta is plus 1,000. The Saints have dropped to plus 3,300 at this point. Carolina has cut their odds of winning the division down by about plus 1,900, plus 2,000, something like that, plus 20 to 1. This game and this win has got the Vegas bookies looking and telling you what I told you three weeks ago, that I was shocked that we were plus 2,200 or better, and with a couple of wins against Denver and Seattle, both of which were very possible, I thought we would jump way up on the odds, and so hashtag nailed it. Well, if you are someone listening to this podcast repeatedly, which you should, and and uh, you know this should be uh, appointment listening, Maybe you uh, put a little money down a couple of weeks ago and, and probably might be feeling pretty good right now. Um, also, when it comes to the Tampa Bay thing, this is causing repercussions across the media spectrum. People are so flustered and upset that, 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 that TV duos are about to break up and things over defending – uh, Tom Brady and some of us are enjoying his demise because you know it's over and he'll still be okay. So I mean, you know, his legacy's fine; it'll be okay. But if the Panthers play like they're playing now, uh, uh, yesterday they play that way, the rest of the way is looking pretty good. It's looking real good. We have talked about it, and we will talk about it again. Tampa Bay, a much tougher road to hoe. Uh, they have got Cincinnati left ahead of them. Uh, they have got obviously Carolina 
once again left ahead of them. Uh, we, on the other hand, have now again, it looked a lot better a few weeks ago, but Detroit left ahead of us, which is a win. We get another crack. Uh, we have got another crack at Tampa Bay as well. And if the Tom Brady that needed a miracle to knock off the Saints two weeks ago and then went to San Francisco and once again, Lonzo is single-handedly keeping the Microsoft tablet business propped up with the destruction that he wreaks upon electronics on the sideline. If that Brady shows up against Carolina and the offense with the identity that showed up against Seattle shows up for Carolina, there's your one game right there. There's your one game right there. Everything else, Carolina takes care of business, and they've got a real opportunity here. Uh, Listen, if you, a couple of weeks ago, when Rob said that I thought plus 2,400 was the best dark horse value of a division winner anywhere in the NFL, but you went, hey, look, I don't bet on my own team, right? Rob Brown has a few rules of gambling, one of which is do not bet on your team because no matter how hard you try, you cannot dissociate your heart from your head when you're trying to make picks. But Rob Brown put a couple of coins down on Carolina plus 2,400 to win the division. That same bet is now plus 400, and there is a reason for that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, It was a Tom Brady meltdown. It was not asking Sam Darnold to do so much. It was relying on the run game and relying on the defense to get it done. And we're going to talk about some of those numbers coming up here in just a minute. But all of the things that we said we wanted, don't ask Sam Darnold to do too much, run the hell out of the football, and let the defense pin the ears back and go disrupt. So all of those things happen, and Carolina is now a game off the divisional pace. So if you would have watched Steve Wilkes' press conference after the game, dude was out of breath and emotional. Totally different than what you normally get from Mr. Calm, Cool, and Collected. And it was uh, refreshing and also a little scary. It, it's like, okay, this dude really wants to win. Of course he's playing for – he's coaching for a job. He really wants to win. But he did say something about tanking. And I believe the word was institutional tanking, which made it sound like uh, the team was trying to tank. And then a reporter called him on it, and he's like, no, this is the the voices that they're hearing outside. And it it very well may be, be what he meant, that they're hearing all these voices about they can't do this, they can't do that, they're tanking and all this kind of stuff. And then he said, these guys want to win. You can see they want to win. They want to win really bad. Um, but when he said that, it's like, okay, someone needs to ask him that question, and they did. And I think he covered it well, and I think he probably meant it, meant it that way. Uh, but maybe he didn't. Maybe there's a little more to that. I, uh, maybe we'll find out later. Maybe we won't. But, of course, the players hear all these voices outside about how they're not really trying to win and how uh, – you know, you're getting rid of coaches, you're getting rid of players, and they're getting paid to do a job, and they went out and did that job pretty well Sunday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Rob Brown, Lonzo Reitzel, and you here on the Views from Men Street podcast. We're talking Carolina Panther football after a 30-24 victory over the Seattle Seahawks on the road up there in Seattle. Ladies and gentlemen, if this is the first time you have joined us here on the pod, do us a favor. Make sure that you are subscribed to the pod. Make sure that you have the download button hit and make sure you've got the alerts on when we send these pods out three times a week. Wrap-ups on Monday, midweekers where we get into thoughts and analysis on Wednesday, and then, of course, pregame preps on Friday. And you never know when a special edition might pop up here and there and share us around in the social circle so that we can continue to grow the show. A couple of things we mentioned in this one, Lonzo, that we wanted to see a couple of things we didn't. We start with Sam Darnold. We said don't ask the kid to do too much, right? Uh, if you're going to p- call pass plays, which you have to, it's the NFL, keep them limited. Don't make them overcomplicated. Let them be a game management type passing game, not a game plan where you're asking Darnold to go out there and do anything ridiculous. You got him 14 of 24 for a buck 20 and a touchdown, took two sacks for 15 yards loss and 85.4 QB rating. And 85 is a game manager number, right? It says you didn't do anything crazy, nothing to, to really jack the stats. On the flip side, you didn't throw picks. You didn't get sacked too many times. You didn't have a whole lot of, of, of issues within the offense. That 85 number as a QBR is a good number to shoot for. Uh, I thought Sam was smart with the football. Didn't really try to force anything. If it wasn't there, he threw it row three into Lumen Field stands. Uh, I, I, I think Sam Darnold deserves credit because, as The Rock said, Sometimes you just got to know your role. And I think Sam Darnold recognized in that game role that I am a, I am something to hold the football when we need to give Chuba Hubbard and we need to give Deontay Foreman a spell. That's what my passing attack is. I thought he played that role very, very well, Lonzo. It's not enough to convince me that Sam Darnold's coming back for another year, but for a team making a run at the division, that's exactly the offense I want catered to Sam Darnold, and he played it exactly the one, the way I wanted it played. Some guys, when asked to be a game manager quarterback, might get a little carried away, right? They might get into some spots where they start trying to do too much and overplaying their role. Sam Darnold raised the eyebrow, knew his role, shut it in his mouth, and played the game we needed him to play. That's all I can ask for, Zoe. That's all I can ask for. When you said some guys, you meant like Baker Mayfield, but but that's fine. Uh, you know, I get it. I, I said it. no names and neither confirm yeah. nor deny. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, in some cases, being a game manager is considered a negative. In this case, you win the game and that's fine. But I am – there was a couple of things I think he could have done better, but then, I mean, you could say that about any player. He's got to run more. And I, I understand his hesitancy uh, as far as – 
you know, coming off of an injury. But there were a couple times there that it was wide open. And then later on, he finally ran the ball. And we know there's one thing that Sam can do that shocks everybody. He can run the ball. He scored a ton of touchdowns last year before he got hurt running the ball. And there's a few times while I'm watching, I'm screaming, run. There's no one in front of you. Run. You can get that first down. Do it. And he just seemed reluctant. And then finally he started doing it some. And uh, Steve Wilkes addressed that in his uh, press conference saying there were a couple of times that he should have run. And, and then there was at least one time when he ran when he probably should have handed the ball off. So I don't know if he'll be punished for that or not. You know, we'll, we'll find we'll find out later. But but I think you know, still trying to stay positive about the win. And you, know, you mentioned will he be back or not? I don't know. I think it depends on if Steve Wilkes is a coach. If Steve Wilkes is a coach, he's going to want a quarterback who will basically do what he, what he says, and will know that he is a uh, a game manager. And if Sam Darnold wins the rest of his games. Then he's probably get, if Steve Wilkes sticks around, so will Sam Darnold. Yeah, I mean, look, even if you still decide to go draft QB, uh, you know, ordinarily we've kind of gotten to the point where a lot of teams try to have a mentor lined up, right? They try to have a, a vet quarterback there to give them some time uh, to learn the ropes. Atlanta did that with Desmond Ritter and Marcus Mariota. They brought in Mariota to kind of cover the tracks a little bit while Desmond Ritter caught up to the speed of the National Football League. And so maybe maybe Sam Darnold fills that role uh, if he continues. But listen, we can talk about Darnold uh, again. I thought he played the role exceptionally well. I thought he did exactly what we both wanted him to and thought that he needed to do. But I also said that I wanted to see what I wanted to see Dante Foreman get up over that hundred yard mark. We talked about the record. When Foreman hits over 100 yards, we win. And when he goes under 100 yards, we lose. In every victory we've had since the departure of Matt Rule, all the dubs had Deontay Foreman getting a buck 20-ish, and all the else had him getting 55. Now, he only got 74 yards on 21 carries in this game, averaging only 3.5 yards per carry. But... Chuba Hubbard showed back up 14 carries 74 yards and a touch. He averaged up over five and a quarter yards per carry. And Raheem Blackshear got into the action as well. Four carries 32 yards and a touch averaged eight yards. Every time that he touched the football, you know, we've kind of been Deontay Foreman centric in our discussions about running the football the last couple of weeks, but uh, you can lighten the load of Deontay Foreman if Chuba Hubbard is going to be active, involved, and efficient. Uh, I have been, and you can go back to episodes from week six and seven and listen, I have been waiting. And I'm, I'm not going to say this is a breakout game for Raheem Blackshear, Lonzo, but he showed you, he gave you just, just a little teaspoon of what I think that kid can ultimately be capable of on an NFL field. Dante doesn't have to go for a buck 50. He can go for 74. If Chuba's going to pitch in 74, if Blackshear is going to pitch in 30 or 40 in a touch, uh, I thought that we stuck to the game plan. We stuck to the identity. We stuck to who and what we are. And it freaking worked, man. It's exactly what I said we needed to do just with a little bit extra Chuba Hubbard added in there. So, it worked like a dream. 
by the by the way, this way is better th- than than what you wanted because what it does is you bring in that second running back. He's fresh. He's he's got fresh legs, and that defense doesn't. And then you bring in that third running back, and that defense is really tired. And you saw them do that. And Deontay Foreman got a rest for a while, and then he came back in. When he came back in, he was rested. So I'm not saying it's a running back by committee. Uh, from from what I can tell, and from what Steve Wilkes has said, it's a running back by who's running hot. And Chuba Hubbard started getting those yards, and so he left them in there. And the other thing about all three of these guys is they don't go down after that first hit. They keep their legs driving and they keep moving. And the offensive line, which I'm sure we'll get to, as I've said before, offensive lineman really loves run blocking. And I love that you can uh, get behind your running back and like like give him a little bit of a hand, a little bit of shove, a little bit of push forward. And uh, so the linemen were doing that too. You got to give them some credit for for the holes. But when the, when all three running backs – were stopped, they didn't stop, and were able to get some extra yards after that. You know, you mentioned it a second ago, and I'm glad you did. Uh, it's not running back by committee. It is still the Deontay Foreman show. I, I think we would all agree, even though Schubert got the same amount of yards on, uh, what, seven fewer carries, it is still the Deontay Foreman show, especially considering Seattle's defense, if you go back and take a gander at it, when Chuba Hubbard came on the field, they were prepping for screens. They were prepping for uh, Chuba Hubbard to be utilized in the pass game just a little bit. And so the rush defense for Seattle backed off of Chuba just a little bit. Teams going forward will not be able to afford that luxury, which hopefully will open things up for the pass game to become a little bit more involved uh, moving forward than it was in this one, uh, which, by the way, we'll talk about DJ Moore and his injury coming up in just a minute, the one that forced him out of that game early. But uh, look, I, I, I think ultimately you're not changing the identity. You're not making it anything other than the Deontay Foreman show, but you have now just showed everybody that Shuba Hubbard coming in can still be a threat on the screen passes, uh, on the wide receiver flare routes, on the dump routes, on the out routes, whatever, on the circles, on the wheels. He can still be a threat for all those things. Uh, But he is also a runner. He is also a guy that is capable. If the defensive line opens up and you're back and linebackers out, he is a dude that can gut you as well. So I don't think it's running back by committee, but I think it showed you that This team, while it is absolutely a run-first and run-a-lot identity, you can't just come out and throw everything you've got at Deontay Foreman to try to stop him and sit back because if you only limit Deontay to 74, Chuba can go get his 74 too. And now all of a sudden, though, there's a buck 48 on the ground, which is over that 122 magic number that we have circled so far lately. This still comes down to uh, coaching being willing to be patient enough to do this sort of thing. Can this work uh, next week against uh, Pittsburgh? I don't know. I hope so. Uh, When you find a winning formula, something that works for you, the other team, of course, they got film and they're going to do whatever they can to stop it. There's going to come a couple of these games 
that are left where Sam Darnold is going to have to win the game for you. Is he capable? He absolutely is if he keeps his head. Um, you don't think so? No, 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 no. I, I absolutely right. do. That that sounded like no, Lonzo. You're crazy. No, it was. I was sorry. Now I was. I was doing my best to stop myself from interrupting me from interrupting you. Uh, I, I wanted to go back to what you opened up with there, which is if coaching is willing to. Right. Like I think we had a game or two where I think Steve Wilkes was thinking about getting a little cute. Right. Was like, okay, now we've showed we can run the ball. Now let's go show we can do everything else. I think that game showed he kind of learned his lesson a little bit, right? Like, I think he kind of showed, okay, if I want this job, and all the rumors are that he is trying to earn the job, if I want this job, nothing is going to do that faster than dubs and potentially a divisional title. I think he is, and and, and again, we'll find out against Pittsburgh because we mentioned this uh, last week, the Seattle Seahawks rushing defense was the fifth worst in the entire National Football League. Lonzo, the Pittsburgh Steelers are the fourth worst in the entire National Football League. Wow. That means uh, game plan should probably be about the same. I don't think it should be about the same. I think it should be exactly the same. I think it should be the Dante Foreman show featuring Chuba Hubbard and Raheem Blackshear, and then also guest starring Sam Darnold, right? Like, if this is a movie marquee, I want Deontay Foreman's name right there on the top of the bill and the big light bulbs. Like, he gets the lights that, like, flash and move around a little bit with his name. And then right under him, uh, with, with level billing on the bill, should be... Chuba and Blackshear, and then under them, on like the small card, right, it should say with slash Sam Darnold. No light circling around his name, but it's on the board. That was the game plan against Seattle. It should be the exact same against Pittsburgh, a team that has a very similarly ranked defense to Seattle. And if you can go out there and bring that noise, don't get tempted because the Steelers also have the fourth worst passing defense. But I think Steve Wilkes learned his lesson that you lean on the running backs, you lean on the guys that tote the rock, you carry them, you let them carry you, I should say, and you don't make Sam Darnold work too hard. And if you do that, you got a got you got a good shot. All right, you turn this into a movie, and I'm sitting here trying to think of a title. And do Panthers stampede? I don't know. What I mean, what 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 do a bunch of Panthers coming at you? Is that a stampede or is that? You definitely don't want to see that happen, but you know, I mean, Panther Stampede. I'm going with that. They keep pounding, Lonzo. They keep pounding. The views from Mint Street Podcast hits the final few minutes, ladies and gentlemen. Do us a favor, follow us on the old social media at the Rob Brown Show is my handle at Lonzo on Word is his, and let's keep the conversation going. And again, do us. A solid bro. If you haven't done it yet, share it around your social circle and let's bring all the Panthers fans together in one big, happy, and silver and blue community here. <clears throat> Pardon me, talking Carolina Panther football. All right, let's get to some of the other uh, results of and observations from this game, Lonzo. And we have to start 
with the fact that DJ Moore is now day-to-day. We found that earlier today. He left that game early due to a knee issue. Uh, Ian Rappaport reported that he was going in for some more thorough diagnosis and digital imaging on the game earlier today. Shefty said the same thing. And then Adam Schefter sent out a notice at about 3 o'clock this afternoon saying that DJ Moore is now considered day-to-day uh, he is day-to-day with a knee sprain at this point. Schefter said that a source told him it was, quote, nothing significant, end quote. Here's the thing, because I saw uh, a lot of Panthers fans panicking at the loss of DJ Moore, and I'm not saying it's not impactful. I'm not saying it's not a big one. He's the best option you've got down the field when you do decide to utilize Sam Darnold to back the defense off and keep them honest for Foreman and Hubbard. Um, So he left that game against the Thunder Chickens on Sunday uh, with zero catches and zero yards on three targets. We won the game with DJ doing the exact same thing that he would have been doing had he not played, at least statistically results speaking. I want him back, but I would much rather DJ take his time to be as close to 100% as he can get than go out there next weekend and risk it for the biscuit when we just show that we can hit win the game even if he doesn't touch the rock. Yeah, because chances are you... Uh, you're either going one and one or two and zero oh in these next two games. You want him healthy for the last two games, which are divisional games against Tampa Bay and against New Orleans. You want him healthy for those games because they're really going to mean something. You need at least one win out of the next two wins. Of course, we want two, but if he's if if he's day to day, then let him take the day off and and rest that thing up and get it ready. Uh, for the last two games when it's really, really going to matter. Correct. Listen, uh, you know, you can't necessarily jump out there and assume any results in the National Football League. I mean, Houston nearly beat Dallas. Nobody saw that one coming. That spread got out of there. Uh, But I will say that if you were going to, like if we were doing a survivor pool this upcoming week, and you had to pick a team that you projected to lose this Sunday, Tampa Bay versus Cincinnati is probably one of the more obvious ones, right? So, theoretically speaking, if that if that does come true and Cincinnati's able to knock off Tampa on our behalf, which, again, the Tampa we saw against San Francisco, tis what it is. If Cincy does us, uh, does us a solid, continues their hot streak, knocks off Tampa. Let's say without DJ Moore. And I don't believe this is what happens necessarily. I need to break this game down a little further. But let's say hypothetically that DJ Moore does not play in Detroit, knocks off Carolina, right? They win the big cat battle and knock us off. Guess what that means for Carolina? We're still one game off the lead. And we've still got a date with the Buccaneers to draw level record-wise. And if we can do that, guess who's got the tiebreaker as a 5-1 and one team within the division? It's us, right? Uh, it's a calculated risk, and I understand that. 
Because if Cincinnati beats Tampa Bay and we beat Detroit, oh my goodness, we're in charge of the division at that point, right? But I would rather have DJ rested and as close to 100% as I can get him for that matchup with Tampa Bay than put him out there before he's 100% ready against Detroit, risking further injury and not having him available against Tampa Bay in a couple of weeks. DJ, take your time, my guy. Take your time. We're not in a hurry. We got this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and and if you – I'm not saying you should rest anybody else, and it's not like you don't want him out there. But if he's going to be out there and he has a shot at tweaking something, he doesn't need to be because chances are, as you pointed out, how bad the run defense is for Pittsburgh – Carolina's going to do the same exact thing that they did against Seattle, and uh, he's going to be more of a, a decoy than anything. So why not rest that knee up and get it ready to go when it really matters? I uh, I wanted to call out one more thing, and this 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 did not have uh, an impact on the outcome of the game directly. Lonzo, did you happen to see? the athleticism of the almost pick that J.C. Horn had in the corner of the end zone uh, and I think the third quarter of that game, there was a ball that Geno Smith floated up to the corner of the end zone. It was way up tall. J.C. Horn, while he did not come down in bounds, tried his best, climbed a ladder that had a step stool on top of it to get up made a ridiculous full extension, falling backwards catch, still was able to get the eyes down to look at the ground to see where he needed to put the toes to try to toe-tap his way to an end zone INT. He was not able to do that part of it. But J.C. Horn had one of the most impressive snags of anybody in that game, wide receivers included. Uh, I know we've talked about him a lot. I got news for you. We're going to talk about him a lot more. The more I watch J.C. Horn play Lonzo, the more I think that when this guy's career's through, and man, I hope it is for Carolina, we're going to be talking about J.C. Horn for a very long time because the athleticism he put on display with that grab was unfreaking real Yeah, but, I mean, it was awesome. It, beyond awesome, it would have been better if I just did the but he came down so hard, it's like, oh no, he hurt himself again. No, don't don't do that. I mean, so so there there's there's great risk with doing something amazing that the ground still hurts when you hit it. And when he came down, I'm I'm just put my hand to my forehead and like, oh please, get back up. And he did, and he played the rest of the game. But I was I was really worried about that. But it was amazing what he's been able to do. Uh and if he could have just so, so close. It was it was so close. You know, the uh I've heard the discussion many times about how Carolina should have gone Justin Fields there, right? Should have got your QB of the future, should have got Justin Fields, should have got Justin Fields. And, and and listen, we're we're still waiting to see uh long term what Justin Fields ends up looking like, right? I mean, he's had some games where he's looked really, really good. He's had a couple of games where he's, it looks like he's just kind of fallen back off the radar uh, a little bit to the point that sincerely, 
Uh, and the Bears were on the bye this week. But, Zoe, when's the last game you heard anybody come out and go, hey, Justin Fields really getting it right now, right? Like 20 of, of, 20 of 25 for 254 in his last game, but he also had two interceptions. And he's been running the ball a lot. And, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a nice addition to the Bears. I'm going to tell you right now, and, and I don't think that I have the silver and blue glasses on when I say this great one, but I think long-term, we might be looking at J.C. Horn. We might be calling out the folks who said we should have gone fields. A couple more years of this type of play out of J.C. Horn, we might be looking back and going, should we, though? Have, like, should we have, though? Like, are you sure? Are you sure about that? All right, so this is a mixed bag for me because I have two college teams that I root for. One is Ohio State, where Justin Fields, you know, is from. And the other one is South Carolina, where J.C. Horn is from. So, uh, to me, uh, when, when, the co- when, when your college fandom gets in the way, you're pretty happy either way. I got to admit, I was one of the ones who wanted them to go with Justin Fields because I knew and still believe that Carolina needs a quarterback. And I I see the potential and think that he's going to be pretty good in years to come if they surround him where he is. But then you see what J.C. Horn's been able to do on the field uh, when he came back from his injury this year, how he's been one of the shutdown corners in all of the NFL. And he's really kind of a rookie because he didn't play a full season last year. Now he has played his first full season. and. You know, if he'd have played the entire first season, the way he's played this many games, he might have had a shot at rookie of the year. All right. Last question as we get close to wrapping up this episode of the pod. And I was thinking about this uh, as I watched the end of this game, a game in which, as we mentioned, Carolina builds up a 20-point lead. Seattle runs it down to a three-point lead, scoring 17 unanswered. That was the point where I went, okay, like we're about to this is this is this is gut check time for the Carolina Panthers. We are about to learn exactly who this team is, right? Um we win that game, put up 10 in the fourth to make sure that it's it's not just a field goal lead. And I had this question zone. Is that team that played yesterday better than any version of the Carolina Panthers that Matt Rule ever put on the field? Because to me, the answer is an obvious yes. Like, that was the best we have seen of a Panthers team. And I'm including even some of the wins under Matt Rule. I think that was the best version of this team we have seen on the field in two and a half years. And maybe I'm optimistic. Maybe I got on the silver and blue colored glasses. Maybe I'm suffering from just a bit of recency bias. But I look back over the past two and a half years of this football team, and that, I think, was the most proud of the way that the team played in a very long time, and I think it was the best version of the team I've played in a very long time. I have said for a hot minute that I'm actually okay with Steve Wilkes getting the interim tag removed and becoming the head coach, primarily because of the number of players that have come out and openly said, we're playing for this cat, we love this cat, like this is our dude. Lonzo, did he earn any potential HC points with you based on the effort, the push, the determination, the grit that that football team showed on the field on Sunday? All right. He has now equaled Matt Rule's win total. You win me one more. You got you got to win me one more. 
or or you've done basically the same that that the Panthers did last year. So you win you win me one more and and you'll have me. I mean, for the record, Steve Wilkes has now won as many games in a single season as Matt Rule did in any season, and he was only the head coach for what? Rule was the head coach for the first five weeks of the season. So he is actually, as far as I'm concerned, he's actually won more games than Matt Rule has so far at no. this point because he's had less games to do it. No, no, no. Remember, Matt Rule coached the team last year, and the team had five wins last year. We got how many wins now? Five? Yeah. One of those, one of those I think might have been Matt Rule's win now. So it was so New Orleans. Him. So he's only won four. You got to win six to get me. Because it, okay. it, because, because, uh, well, I mean, one more, you, you do better than you did last season, which isn't a whole lot, but still you're doing better than what you did last season. I, uh, I do like how they played yesterday. I want to see what they can do when they play a good defense, a good run stopping defense, because we've seen what's happened so far when they played a good run stopping defense, when they have to rely on the pass, they become a different team. Can this team that played yesterday show up against a good run defense? By the way, they're probably only going to play one good run defense, maybe. Is it Detroit? Is Detroit the best defense they're going to play? Uh, I will have to go back and pull those rankings back up, uh, but I believe I'm, yeah, that, I'm that guessing, is the case. I'm guessing that's it because there ain't no there there is no better defense in the NFC South than the Carolina Panthers. So I'm not worried about them playing a better defense in the South, but you know, we've talked about the uh, deficiencies that, that Pittsburgh has. I think Detroit's the best defense they're going to play. If you can do what you did yesterday against Pittsburgh and against Detroit, then Tampa Bay and New Orleans should look out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have got coming up over the next couple of weeks, a couple of games that very, very much matter because we are now a game back of the Buccaneers. We have an opportunity with a win this Sunday against Pittsburgh and a little help from the Cincinnati Bengals. If they can put away Brady and the Bucks, we could very well be leading this division by the time that we lay down our sweet heads to go to slumber on Sunday evening. And of course, coming up on Wednesday, we will take a further look back at this game with a couple more days of backtracking to really wrap our heads around what happened and start looking ahead. But we'll also have news and notes from the press conferences an update on DJ Moore and more coming up on Wednesday's edition. Before we get out of here, Lonzo, any final words for the people? Back-to-back wins, finally a road win. Feels pretty good. I'd like, I'd like to feel that way again, you know, next week. Detroit. Pittsburgh, Tampa, New Orleans. That's how we round out. I honestly believe if you take three of those, you definitively win the division. If you take two of them and one of them in Tampa, you win the division. Ladies and gentlemen, it's right there for the taking. Tampa Bay technically controls their destiny, but I think we control Tampa Bay's, and we will talk more about that on Wednesday's edition of the Views from Mint Street podcast. Share us around in your social media. Let's grow the show. We'll see you back here on Wednesday. Keep pounding, baby.